What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Great Girth Podcast. Tony and Austin here with special guests. That would be Austin's daddy-o, Rusty. <laughs> also known as your daddy, 74. <laughs> <Just kidding. 73. laughs> he, he, his, Xbox, his Xbox name is your daddy, 73. And when he told me that, I said, I'm not sending a friend request to your daddy, 73. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm not doing that. We're not teaming up or anything either. <laughs> oh, shit. My- if I see you on my team, I'm going to have to to back up. <laughs> Austin, it's, it sounds like you're back on your Madden. Are you playing Madden again? Because you've been um, no, really that, focused. No, that was, um, that was, that we were playing Call of Duty earlier. Oh, shoot. That reminds me, dude. I, um, I, uh, I played Warzone for like two seconds. Well, it was like five minutes, but. I was trying. I almost sent you a request, but then I got caught up doing something else. But I was like, damn, I should have just said, hey, Austin, play this with me. <laughs> My bad. This, this man and his excuses, goddamn. <laughs> well, I figured I tried out because I was playing Warface and somebody killed me behind a wall. And <laughs> I got so mad. I was like, I'm going to just try some other shit. So that's how that happened. But now, man, speaking of like, War and all that, I actually wanted to talk about something extremely important. So, my uh, <clears throat> my grandfather was in the Korean War, right? Well, he had told me that the show MASH it takes place in Korea, correct? I'm sure we've all right. seen yeah. the show. Well, did you know that the end of, there's an episode where they say it wrong? It's not the Korean War. They name it as something else. I can't remember what it was, but he was telling me all about it. And I was like, huh? And he's like, yeah, go back and watch an episode. And they say the war wrong. They don't list it as the Korean War. It's something else. Yeah, it's a weird little spoof. It's a uh, a blooper, I guess is what you can call it. I guess yeah, it's not really important. It's not important. But I was just like, oh, Hollywood, yeah. <laughs> no, but I actually do want to talk about the army and stuff like that. Especially because we do got veteran and we also got a lot of a kind of an unknown knowledge right now in our country especially with the younger generation a lot of people don't understand how important it is to have people in the army military they just don't get that we need to have people fighting for our freedom so i think that's something we should kind of dive into austin i'm gonna let you take it away yeah so um dad you want to tell people your name and uh, like what you do for for a living, and and then maybe uh, a, something about like why did you why did you join, and what your like a very a brief summary of what your service looked like. Um, Rusty Rawlson, um, and I build classic cars. Um, the reason I went to the military is to piss your mom off. No, not really. Um, no, I, when your mom and I first got married, um, I went to the Air Force and um, ended up getting a medical discharge, blah, blah, blah. And since my dad, grandpa, uncle, um, well, a lot of my uncles and um, a lot of family members were 
former military. So this is kind of inbred in me, I guess you might say. Um, I just wanted to do it. Um, so went down and listed and then went home and told your mom and she was not happy. Um, then um, ended up my first, well, I went to boot camp in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri in 2001. Um, and my first duty station was Korea um, in Tegru. Uh, spent a year there, um, 9-11, happened while I was there and um, before that we were able to go off post and you know do whatever we wanted to do um, after that happened it was pretty much locked down for a long time and then they got a little bit lenient on it and let's go out and had to be back at a certain time but um, after I left there we went to Fort Hood Texas um, Shortly after um, we got there, we got deployment orders to uh, Qatar. Uh, went over there. Um, we had first, second, third platoons. We all did rotations from Qatar doing um, personal security for uh, Tommy Franks, who was the four-star general in charge of the whole operation. So we would do rotations from Qatar into um, Baghdad, Mosul, Mosul, um, and other areas there in, in Iraq. So basically doing just, basically just doing security patrols and stuff like that. Awesome. And, uh, the, one of the first things that we, we talked, like you and I have talked about, you see a lot of people who, before they go in, who, or who aren't in, uh, there's a lot of weird misconceptions about what getting in looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any, like something that really pisses you off, like about either like basic training boot camp, um, or like the whole recruitment process or anything that really, like really pisses you off that people get wrong. For me, no. Um, everything I got, whatever I wanted, I wanted to go in as an MP. Um, they gave me MP. Um, boot camp was absolutely a blast. AIT was a blast. Um, but I was stationed with some people that the recruiter, yeah, they screwed me, blah, 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 blah. Because um, they'll go in and they won't have a job-specific enlistment. So basically, the Army will send you wherever they want to send you. Right. Um, so I'm just I'm just talking Army. I don't know about the Marines or well, I know the Marines. It's um, at least back in the day, it was you're an infantryman and then you go from there. But um, in the Army, um, you can go in as a certain MOS or you go in as you know the the Army will pick your job. We had a couple people that wanted to get into the technical field and they got stuck with an MP unit. So they didn't like that very well. Did you? Uh, second... Oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Austin. No, go ahead, Tony. Well, I was just going to ask that, Rusty. Did there's a lot of misconception too about um, life in the military? Uh, a lot of myths, I guess you can say, in urban legends. Mm -hmm. So some of them being that you have to eat a lot of dried foods, and I've, I've heard so many different 
crappy stories. <laughs> I'm assuming you get treated fairly correct when it comes to mills. Oh, yeah. Yeah, unless you're out in the field. And, you know, I mean, obviously, when you're in the middle of Iraq, you don't have, out in the field, you don't have a mess hall. So you're eating MREs, which are really good. Um, I thought they were good. Um, What's the one that um, Ashland's teacher got and you took all of them? The, you had a specific oh, one? Chili Mac. Yeah, Chili Mac. Chili Mac is the best. And rule number one of eating MREs is, is Tony, it's don't eat the gum. <laughs> I remember you were telling me that because I was eating an MRE and you were like, don't eat the gum if you ever get gum. And I was like, nah, this one didn't come with it, but now I got to know why. It's, it's the red gum. You can't eat the red gum. You can eat the white gum. You just can't eat the red gum. Um, but uh, if you're on post, oh, crap, man. We, it's nothing like the Air Force. But luckily, when we were in Qatar, it's an Air Force base. So every Thursday, I think it was, I think it was either Thursday or Friday, we'd have steak and lobster for dinner. So, I mean, yeah, you eat pretty doggone good. When you're and on post, question, you eat pretty good. The question that's definitely burning in everybody's mind, you joined the Army. Did you get your Dodge Charger? <laughs> no, I got a uh, Mitsubishi Eclipse. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I got a Mitsubishi Eclipse. I picked up a smoke. Well, I continued my smoking habit, and um, I got divorced. So I got I got three of the two of the three. <laughs> two of the three. Um, no, but um, we were also talking and. Tony and I are really, we like movies. It's one of the main things we talk about here is is movies. And we talked a little bit this morning about what movies you like and what movies you hated. Have you seen any, have you seen a movie that was just so horribly inaccurate that you couldn't watch it? <sighs> no. No, I can watch him. It's just like, okay, that's bullshit. I've been, no. I've been told you know, the only film that's like even remotely accurate was Apocalypse Now. Yeah, Is there any well, truth yeah. to that? Yeah. Well, um, one of my favorites is um, Bunker Hill. That's a great I, movie. That is a good um, one. I've seen that one. Yeah, Vietnam movies. The Vietnam movies were awesome. There was a couple of them like Oh, I can't think of what it is right now. But there's a couple of them there like, okay, yeah. This is total Hollywood, but you just laugh at it. So a lot of people um, say about Full Metal Jacket. Supposedly it's just Hollywood oh, based, basically. It, it's so off base, but it's such a cool movie. <laughs> such a cool movie, but it's it's um it's way, 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 way off base. Yeah. Probably Black Hawk Down, like Austin and I were talking earlier. Black Hawk Down was really, it was really close. Um, I had a, um, one of my squad leaders in Korea was actually there. Um, he was a former, he was, a, he's an army, yeah, sorry. He's an army, he was an army ranger and he was actually in Mogadishu. Um, when all that happened, 
Um, and then uh, what's the one with uh, about um, the sniper Chris Kyle? Yeah. Oh, American Sniper. American, American Sniper. sniper. Yeah, That's a good it's, one. It's Hollywood. I mean, it's a great movie, but it's there's a lot of inaccuracies there too. What about uh, everyone's favorite, Saving Private Ryan? You know, that is my favorite movie of all time. And it is, from what I've heard from people who study World War II, that was really, really dead on. I mean, it was, it was pretty, it was, yeah, it was good. Yeah, Tony knows I stumped for that movie a lot. And it's like in my top five movies ever made. Yep. Oh, it, it's a great movie. Yeah, I, I love it. My, my, pers- now. my personal favorite is Apocalypse Now, but totally different war. If we're talking World War II, then definitely Saving Private Ryan. Apocalypse Now was funny. I like. I actually, it was a good movie. It was a really good movie. It's just long, no matter which version you watch. Right. <laughs> now, um, on, on the topic of movies. Um, talking to um, my grandmother, my my dad's mom, and um, she told me some stories about how um, your father, my grandpa, had a really hard time watching uh, like Vietnam movies and Vietnam TV shows. Yep. Um, did you ever experience anything like that? Where any is there? Are there a movie you watch where you're just like, I can't finish watching this, or? I need to stop and take a break before I finish watching it because I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand that the the physical wounds are bad, but the mental and uh, mental taxing that can happen, the mental wounds that happen are more common and sometimes more severe. There was oh, quite a while after I got home, I couldn't watch anything war related. Um. I'd have flashbacks. I'd have go to bed and have night tremors, and it was for a long time I couldn't. It just, especially um, the American Sniper. When I watched it, I had to actually get up out of the movie theater and walk out. You know, I I had to take a break and go back in and watch it. But yeah, I think the only. War type film I've ever seen, and this is gonna sound dumb because it's one that's not everyone's favorite. But the only <laughs> one I've ever seen that made me like really upset, and I'm not even a soldier, but I watched it. And I was like, "What? This movie's really messing with me." It was um, it's Tobey Maguire and Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, basically, they're brothers. One of them goes miss. He goes missing in action for a while. Turns out he's alive. Comes back, but he's got too much going on in his head that he's not able to adjust to life at home it turns into a big rivalry between him and his brother it's a really messed up movie i don't know if anyone's ever seen it but it's really hard to marry his his wife or something like that no that's that's the uh the thought so when he gets back he has this idea that his brother was seeing his wife while he was gone which he wasn't he truly wasn't but he was also taking care of her too that's Brothers, right? That's the title of the movie? Okay, yeah, there it is. Brothers. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't remember it. But yeah, that one's... It's really messed up. It's not a... It's kind of an underrated one, in my opinion. 
there's some movies that um um oh last man standing um about the seal team six who went into um iraq and got all of them got killed at one. Oh yeah um, uh, oh what's his name is that Last Man Standing or is that Lone Survivor? Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. Um, yeah, one of the kids, man. one of the That's guys, the one of the guys that was on that team, um, Dietz, um, I know his dad really well. Um, he's from Colorado. Danny Dietz. Yeah. Danny Dietz. He was, um, and that one, that one hit home. I had I couldn't watch that. I couldn't watch the whole I couldn't watch the whole thing on that one. That's the one with Mark Wahlberg, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I think if I remember correctly hearing about the making, Mark Wahlberg actually went and uh lived with one of the soldiers that, that movie was based off of for a while or something along those lines. He lived with him so he can kind of understand his movement, mannerisms and everything to get it correct for the movie. Right. Uh, that's one thing I heard. I've never fully seen it. Though. I've been pretty. I've been told it's a good movie, though. I might have to check it out. It's a. Yeah, it's I, a great I, movie. Yeah. Um, you know those, all those YouTube videos where like Marine watches, veteran watches, um, war vet movies and stuff, and that's always one of the ones they watch, and they're like, this one really, this one really was like legit, and it was like, felt real, and he's like, it's really hard to do in movies. So I was like, oh dang. Yeah, that was that was uh that I I still haven't watched the whole thing. Now, my question to you is to when you uh when you came home, did you ever experience any tor- any type of backlash? The reason I ask is cuz uh I have a I have a cousin that's a veteran now, but when he came back, he had a an altercation with somebody that saw him in uniform and just I'm not going to get into detail, but let's just say this person completely lost it and put my cousin in a position where he had to walk away because he was basically going to beat the shit out of this person that was in front of him. But he experienced the backlash that we saw in uh, Vietnam era all the way up to now where you get a lot of these anti-war hippies, whatever you want to call them. They're... They're a bunch of babies, is what they are. Um, no, I never, I never experienced anything like that. Is what what year was your um, last deployment? Like, when, when was the last time you came home after? Is that when? Oh three. Um, yeah, so in oh three, the war in Iraq still pretty, pretty popular. So, well, in, in March of oh three is when the initial airstrikes happened. And so, um, if you're just getting at a oh three, the war in Iraq isn't as divisive and hated as much as it is anymore. So, right, because at this point, it's it's 2003. Bush is going to run again in 2004, and right before that, his reelection, he's sitting at high sixties um, approval rating. So, not too much opportunity there. Yeah, I was there. When the airstrikes happened, 
and that was the coolest fireworks show you will ever see. <laughs> well, here's a good question. So, being that you've experienced life in the army, and you know you've been in the the world that a lot of us don't know of, there's the popular question about um, is is war good? Is in my opinion, it, I'm going to say it the way I would, the way I look at it. Is fighting back a good thing from your perspective? I, my opinion, it is. I think we should be doing more of it. But in your opinion, being that you've lived through it, do you think war is a good thing? I do. Um, if we went to war with Syria, I'd want to sign up and go. Um, Absolutely. Um, of course, they won't let old men do it now, which is, I think they should let us old guys go sit behind a sniper rifle and just knock people off. So these young guys, you know, we've already lived our lives, man. You know, let's right. let guys go over there and, you know, give up our lives and let these guys raise their families and, you know, be kids and so on and so forth. But, but then they're like, we got an airstrike on the building. Get off the building. You all stand up. Ah, oh, my back. You all fall over. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we lost the whole platoon that day. One airstrike. They all, at the same time, got cramps in their hamstrings. And they all fell down the stairs together. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that uh, most men and women should be required to join the military out of high school? Absolutely. Two years minimum. Me too. My dad always told me that, and I always thought he was crazy until I grew up, and then I realized, yeah, he's pretty much right. My dad's an ex-police officer, and you know, he didn't join, but he was like, I think that if people joined, they would understand a little more in life about basically how to not only be a decent person, but to learn how to be a man and a woman. Well, it teaches you discipline, it teaches you respect, it teaches you, you know... Teamwork, it teaches you, it teaches, teaches you just so many things that you use your in everyday life. Right, you know? right. Well, not to mention it teaches you how to be smart, survival skills and all. I'm pretty sure once you've had to be in a position where you had to sleep in a trench, which whether that's World War II or now, I think that if you've learned to do that, well, then you've learned that you could pretty much do anything if you had to, of course. Well, yeah, I slept in the turret of the um, up armor Humber Humvee for right. a few hours. You know, I mean, it's yeah, you you adapt, you overcome, and you do what you need to be done. Now, so quickly before we move over to um, uh, some questions about like police work and how how horribly police are being treated nowadays. Um, do you have one, like, very specific story that you remember that when you think back to, whether it's a good memory or a bad memory, it just immediately comes to your mind, and it's like your chief memory? Putting a bullet in a 12-year-old kid's head, I guess. That's probably the one that comes back every time. Oof. Something I couldn't imagine, that's for sure. I mean... Uh, my, my, my own dad has never told me stories about what he's seen because it just, they haunts him too much. Uh, I didn't really start learning anything about what he went through until I was about 17, 18. 
So, you know, I'm still learning a little more and more every day, but I couldn't imagine. Now, was your dad in the Army? No, um, he was just a patrolman. I mean, he okay. lasted, I would say, about a little close to 10 years. But one of the reasons he had quit was a lot to do with a, uh, at least from what I've been told, he had a girl, a little young girl, die in his arms. Uh, mm-hmm. She had an asthma attack, and he had been in the area so he had to respond and he got there and you know he's trying to do what he can but he's never really been in that type of situation before he's been shot at and he's had to run after people but having to hold on to somebody and such you know and she had an asthma attack and she ended up dying right there in his arms so i mean that was kind of the that was just the um the last straw for him that and uh, a lot of other things going on Uh, unfortunately my dad uh I guess he didn't really know how to handle it. It kind of followed him home, and it really messed with his relationship with everybody around him. Because, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately there are cops and soldiers that they can they can uh, function with it, but there's some that they don't necessarily know how to, and it, it affects everyone differently. So I think that's what it did to him. But, yeah, I'm learning a little more and more every day as we kind of open up with him. Yeah, that's it's that was the hardest part for me is coming home and I was a completely different person when I came home. I mean, completely different person. Before I went, I talked to anybody and everybody, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time I was in a good mood. When I came home, it was complete opposite. Didn't want to talk to anybody. Austin knows I was in a bad mood all the time. Um. And that lasted a long time, a very long time. Do you, in your opinion, do you see that as a, as a, it's a, it's something that's unavoidable, or do you think that maybe just the army or the air force or the navy or whatever the DOD, whatever service you decide to get in, do you think that there there's a lack of them preparing you for that, or you think it's something that's just, it's not, um. It's not avoidable. You can't you can't prepare for that. There's there's no way. You know, I mean, you kill somebody and you come back home and it's just like, well, number one, even if you don't kill anybody, just you know, just the you know, you have your guys around you all the time, you have somebody to talk to all the time. Um things happen, you know, and and this isn't not anything against the civilians, but they just don't, they don't understand. They don't get what's going on. Right. You know, so it's kind of, it's kind of a coping mechanism, I guess you'd say. But, um, it's, I think it's unavoidable. You, it, yeah, I don't think you can, you can't train somebody for that. Okay. So, um, now you're home. And um, you eventually go through the police academy and you become a police officer. So we wanted to talk to you a few few things about because right now, whether whether um, you like police out there or you don't like police, they're under attack from crazy, insane lunatics. Yep. Who think that? Who think that? Just because? Who think that a cop should talk to a girl instead and let her stab another girl instead of? shooting the person who's trying to kill that person. Um, 
So, when you were a police officer, were there any specific moments where you kind of, because um, what years were you a police officer between, estimately? I was only a cop for a year, you know, 2005. No, I'm sorry, um, 2004, right after I got out of the Army. And um, during that year, did you did you feel any of that, uh, like, either cultural or communal pushback to you, or do you think that it was mostly a good working relationship at the time? At that point in time, it was good. You know, I mean... You always have people who hate you because you're trying, you're arresting them, you know, because they're doing stupid shit. Um, then they get pissed off at you. Oh, I hate cops, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you were doing the right thing, then, you know, you wouldn't have to see the bad side of this, you know? Right, absolutely. Um, but no, I mean, if you're doing the right thing, yeah, you know, it was a great, we had a great relationship with people in town and, um, yeah, it was, there was, no, it wasn't no big deal. Just had the methods that hated us. <laughs> well, and you see a lot of that now. I think a lot of it had to do with <clears throat> politics getting a little too involved in uh, media along with celebrities and such. Because everyone says that uh, this war on our police officers has been an ongoing thing. And I agree with that, but I do feel like it's gotten worse. Well, I would be. I wouldn't be a cop now if they paid me a hundred thousand a year. Right. I mean, look at the guy who did save that woman from getting stabbed. We already know that he's probably going to lose his job and it's not because he did anything wrong. It's because people don't like what he did. And that sucks. It looks like, it looks like the captain there is standing up for him and, even LeBron James and his boneheaded, idiotic doxing tweet about the police officer oh came my out God. As, as, as had to apologize and taken it down because th- there's no arguing that was a good shoot. There's no arguing that. Right. And and if you're listening to this, we won't get into the deep political talks and we won't go into Derek Chauvin. But listen on Tuesday. That's the whole show is going to be Tony and I de- delving pretty deep into that case some of the cases that are coming up some of the cases that came before because well, right he now, should be seems... fried I agree I'm just saying he should be fried there is Who? no excuse Chevron or whatever the hell his name is well they okay so we'll, we'll talk about it Derek Chauvin um, was convicted of second and third degree murder as well as manslaughter. As long as as well as manslaughter. So, which of those which of those um, charges do you think that um, he should be convicted of? Well, he was convicted of all three, but he'll only get he'll get sentenced. He'll get the heavy sentence for the third, the most serious charge. Well, by well, my um. Well, it'll depend on if the judge rules it to be um, cumulative or or upon the highest charge. But I, and my my prediction is that the whole the whole um, entire thing gets thrown out because the judge acted completely incompetent. They didn't sequester the witnesses or the sequester the jury. He allowed so second degree murder. Well, we'll we'll, we'll save the legal analysis there but just if 
the um, medical examiner said if George Floyd was found dead on his floor in his apartment, they would take two seconds to call it a drug overdose. Before Chauvin even arrived on scene, he uh, George Floyd was talking about how he, how he was having issues breathing. He is then resists arrest and then gets handcuffed and goes to be put in the car. They roll the windows down for him, and the entire time he's claiming he can't breathe. He's complaining that he's claustrophobic. He's claiming that he's scared. He says yeah, that he's taking he, too many drugs. He was so already they, resisting asked, arrest when they were trying to cooperate with him. And they and they and um, George Floyd himself asked, "Please let me lay on the ground. Please let me lay on the ground." And they put him on the ground, and he continued to fight. And according to the police chief from Jared Chauvin's um, department, the um, putting the knee not on his neck. If you watch the video, it's on his videos, shoulder, right? It's on his shoulder. There's no damage to his neck, his throat, his Ooh. trachea, anything. And I, I, and he has four times the lethal dose of ketamine in his system. And he's been complaining that he can't breathe the entire during the entire arrest and before the arrest. You can't tell me that you don't have a shadow of a doubt that a second degree murder, which is a which which is hard to prove because it's felony murder, which means that you had to commit a felony that led to someone's um that has that led to someone's death. What felony? Did he commit? He didn't commit one. He didn't commit a felony, so he cannot be convicted of second degree murder. Third degree murder is um when you it is murder without um with full disregard of human life. So if you walked up and you shot into a crowd, you didn't you weren't purposely aiming to kill somebody, but you knew that someone would get hurt. Do so you have to explain to me? How he yeah, that um, Chauvin putting a restraint that is approved by his department that he was trained to use against a sub against uh, Floyd who is at least fifty pounds heavier than he is and a few inches taller and as you know someone on uh, that much drugs can be like. Mm-hmm superhuman in their strength and their ability to fight back. And my, so, bi- my biggest issue is the fact that they treated him as a, a prophet of George Floyd. And I'm sorry, but he was a criminal before he even walked on that scene. And yeah, he was he still was committed a, a crime then. Yeah, That's and true. let's be That's honest. He's a, he's a thug who he held a, a thug, pregnant yeah. woman in her house by gunpoint, a pregnant woman by gunpoint to rob from her. He's not this magical saint like Emmett Till. Like, well, that, and, you know, that, he like he didn't deserve to die. But if you look at those reports, he was as good as dead before anything that went down the way it did happen. Now, do I think that the officer handled it a little improperly? Yes, but we'll get into that. Austin, sorry to interrupt you, man. Keep going. No, you're good. Um, manslaughter charge. I could be convinced you throw manslaughter mm-hmm. at him because he had irrelevant disregard to begin um, CPR and to heed warnings and things like that. But 
that's that's besides it's, the point. I I think the whole thing gets thrown out because absolute incompetence by the judge. And can you imagine but, what this world is going to come to if it, it, it all gets thrown out? More and more peaceful oh, protests. Good lord, it's going to get ugly. And it it, it sounds that's absolutely horrendous, but it's it's one of those situations where was George Floyd in the right? No. Was Derek Chauvin der- if essentially in the right? No. No. Yeah, it's kind of a so shitty situation. Situations, yeah, where they both were doing wrong, and it led to one of their deaths. Now, whether the fact remains that if George Floyd wouldn't have been trying to counterfeit money, was doped up enough drugs to kill a horse, and berating people in public, would he still be alive? Yep. And you have to decide. What was the major contributing factor to his death? Was it the drugs that caused his heart to stop, or was it a the, a knee of a hundred and eighty pound old man, hundred eighty pound forty year old man, on a knee of his shoulder for the last eight minutes of his life, or was it the past? 20 minutes of him screaming that he can't breathe, that he took too many drugs, that he's claustrophobic, that he would like to be laid on the ground. So just everybody got to come up with their own decision there of right. leave. Uh, what was the extenuating factor in that? If, I think I think he was already dying, saying that if, I can't breathe and all that, and they, they didn't handle it the way they should have. Uh, he was already dying. So, I mean, I don't really believe that Chauvin played a part in it. I think the the fact that they didn't know what was wrong with him is a big part of it. He was already overdosing. It's kind of his own doing. That's what sucks, but it does look shady on both sides. And we 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 all understand here that we are in no way comparing the George Floyd situation to the um, Brianna uh, Brianna Taylor. No, not Brianna Taylor. That's a whole conversation we'll have Tuesday. About Brianna Are you talking Taylor. about the, the girl that was shot for trying to stab her mom? Yes. Micaiah not, or something like that. Yeah. Micaiah Taylor or something like that. I don't well, I don't remember I don't remember exactly what it is, but right. whoever that, that cop saved the mom's life, we'll just put it that way. Yeah. We are not comparing those two. The cop in that situation is one hundred percent in the right. There's nothing wrong with what he did. <laughs> And I agree, yeah. This is why I don't watch show... the news. Because you guys are disappointing. You don't <laughs> know how to bring shit down, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, I get it. I do, because I mean, that's why it's CNN and Fox and everything. It's all the same. They all do the same thing. We're just making sure we recover our butts, because we know there are certain people out there listening to this podcast Looking to end us, but you won't end us because we don't care what you think because you're a bunch of pansies. Well, she's also mentally unstable. She's got gender dysphoria. We'll work on and, her later. And, and like and like we say about, like Tony so famously says, we don't speak second place. So good luck. Exactly. It's all about freedom of speech. I'm, I'm more than happy to have people that are opposing to me on here, but they just yeah. they don't want, they don't want nothing to do with us. If you're listening to this and you disagree with us on anything, on literally anything, we will love to have you on. We will we will work around our schedules and work around your schedules and make sure we come to you. If you have a show 
we will come on your show. We, we, we are willing and we are ready to have these conversations. But what we're so often finding is that it's liberals and leftists, especially leftists, who refuse to have conversations. Yeah, because exactly. They, because they, the reason that they don't want to have a conversation is because they don't have the facts to back up what they're saying. And exactly. Austin, and you guys have facts coming out the wazoo to back up your side. So they don't, they know that they don't have a shot. So. Right. And then they, they have meltdowns and they freak out. And for some weird reason, it gets put aside and censored and, which is really weird to me because the tactics they use are very fascist tactics. And you got groups out there that claim they're anti-fascist, but they use those tactics and, it's just kind of interesting to me. Can't have a can't have conversations like we should. Right. Well, well as um, everybody at home who's sitting watch, like I've tuned into the Saturday show, not to be depressed by you, loser. Not to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, where's the um, Batman conversation? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we were. Uh, that's that's the real big. Um, thing that we wanted to have a discussion with you about is once you were home if you had any of any of those situations where you felt because it's not only police officers it's service members and veterans who are starting to get the brunt of it and um we wanted to hear from from de- from a side that many of our audience and tony and i don't actually have a insight into well and here's another issue is you have guys who are coming back and they are feel like they're entitled. You know, I witnessed a guy saying, "Hey, I, I shouldn't have to pay for this meal because I'm a veteran, or I should get this free because I'm a veteran, or this, this, and that." You know, I walked up to a guy. Oh, it's been a while ago, but I heard him say that, and I walked up to him. And I said, "Okay, so this lady over here who is." doing accounting for this business does she deserve a free bill or does the plumber down the down the road does he deserve a free meal he just kind of looked at me and said and i was like we were doing our job man you signed on that piece of paper saying that you were going to do a job you did your job you are not entitled to shit and you got a bunch of people out there who are trying to use the veteran card. And that's starting to piss a lot of people off, including veterans. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's total bullshit. Yeah, Dad's almost gotten to the point now where on Veterans Day, when IHOP offers free pancakes, he's like, "Nah." <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. You know, and that, people ask me, "Where you need service?" I say, "Yeah," and they're like, "Thank you for a service I can't imagine." No, no, I I did my job. I was doing my job. You know, you, you don't need to thank me. You don't need to boohoo and you know, poor me. All this other bullshit. No, I did my job, and it, that's all there is to it. Just like a 
car mechanic does his job every day. Or yeah, but uh, the the um, I think I think the pushback here is that your job in in meant leaving your family, he leaving your family in a country and then leaving, going to a foreign country, and putting your life on the line, not because you're getting paid crazy well. Um, <laughs> or not because of the awesome benefits, or just solely based on. And for mo- most people, it is based on a a a a drive for something greater than oneself. I know that's the cheesy politician line of the of the podcast today, but um, but it, it, so I think you and other people do deserve thanks because you take on such a greater risk, such a greater liability without an increase in reward. Um, I, and in most jobs, um, in the trade of labor, you usually come out above a mechanic who fixes your car comes out with more than what comes out with more money than what he paid for in labor or the plumber or the accountant ends the week with more money than what they had in labor. That's not something that that when you join the DOD or the armed services or anything like that, you don't leave that profession with more than what you entered with. You, but you do, though. But you do. You leave with a sense, well, not me because I had to get out early. Um, but once you do your time and you you at least some some people, you come out with the sense of, okay, yeah, I did my job. I did my job to the best of my abilities. You know, I have some of the best friends I've ever made in my entire life. I have gained so much knowledge about real world. You know, so yeah, you do, you do come out. Yeah, you don't get paid squat. Benefits are awesome because it's all free. Um, you get free food, three meals a day, free housing. So yeah, I mean, you do, you do get to come out on, come out of the military with something. It may not be. You, I, I agree you come out with something, but I don't believe that what you come out with is worth the sacrifice and risk that was made, which is why we have veterans day and especially we have Memorial Day because those people never get to get out. Right. But um, so I, I think that Veterans Day and these special events and shaking somebody's hand, thanking them for their service is important because that's part of the because people who make that sacrifice and it's not the ultimate sacrifice. It's the old, you know, the old mantra, all gave some, some gave all situation. But got it on my arm. Even even just taking the risk that that could happen in a pursuit of again the old politician in me is in the in in the pursuit of something greater than oneself is is admirable at the least. Well it is, it's a it's it's definitely bravery. I mean it's above it's above because, like, I I couldn't uh, I couldn't do it. I'm sure if I didn't have a choice, I I'd do it. But I'm too scared. I don't. Um, I'm too like uh, I wouldn't say selfish, but I just know that I'm not. 
I'm not big and I'm not brave enough to make that type of decision. Because to be honest with you, the only thing I'm ever truly sacrificing is my weight. That's, <laughs> that's the only important decisions I've been making, and that's a terrible one. But I, I can understand where you're coming from, too, because I have a, a buddy who currently still works for the Army. He's been doing it since the uh, 80s. And, uh, you know, he's older than me, but I he's still my friend. I call him Mr. Brian. Amazing guy. Um <laughs> <laughs> but no, he'll he'll tell me like I I don't like when people tell me thank you for your service. It makes me feel like they're kind of uh, smothering me. And I asked him why, and he said, "Well, I went out and did what I was supposed to do." And I told him, "No, I, I understand that, but I guess what I'm saying is thank you for being the one to do it because if it came down to it, I would not do it unless I was forced to." But I, I guess maybe it's different for everyone too, though, because I got friends that were 17. And they were like, you know what? I don't really know what I want to do with myself, so I'm going to sign up and we'll go from there. And I'm like, damn, that takes a – to me, that takes a lot because even not knowing where you're going, that's pretty bold. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody, that's for sure. But I tell you what, I'll be honest. Is the part of being away from my kids was the hardest part. But I think it was probably one of the best decisions I made. The best decision I made was to get out, take care of my kids. But I would, I would go back. I would go back in a heartbeat because it was just phenomenal. It was awesome. Tony, could you imagine you and me driving a tank? Number one, no, neither one is. of you could fit in one. <laughs> I'll say it wouldn't work. I couldn't run. So they tried <laughs> recruiting me in high school. We had a drill instructor and all that, like, there for an assembly. And they had, an, like, a person handing out, like, the pamphlets or whatever. And I was like, listen, I've got uh, severe asthma. Uh, would there be anything for me to do? I mean, doesn't that disqualify me? And they're like, oh, no, we'll find something for you. You can have, like, no arms. We'll find something for you. And I was like... Really? He's like, oh, yeah, I can guarantee you right now I'll help you lose weight in, like, less than a month. Uh-huh. That's what, yeah, I was like, oh, damn, I didn't know they would take me because I had asthma. They're like, oh, we don't give a shit about that. We'll, we'll have something for you to do. It may be bitch duty, but you'll do something. Well, yeah, um, how, how old are you, Tony? So I'll be 29 in November. So when you were 17, that was right in the heart of, right in the heart of the Iraq war. They were hurting yeah. for people. They were hurting yeah. for people. So, yeah. That's, yeah, that's what a lot of it was, too, because at the time, uh, people weren't rushing to sign up. And so they would come to our school or they would be in the local, like, uh, communities. And they would just, basically, they'd advertise. And they would tell you about the benefits and, you know, just the whole uh, the whole spiel. And so I looked at it and I was interested at one point. But then, you know, I, I talked to my grandfather and he said, you know, uh, it's not just something you can go do and then say, I quit. It doesn't work that way. So you got to really put in thought to it. And if you're going to do it, then you need to stick with it. And being a kid, I didn't even know which way is up. So I'm like, I don't think I'm ready for that. Yeah. Well, but I've heard it definitely teaches you. Oh, it, it teaches you. That's for sure. Yeah. When I was a junior in high school, I decided I was going to join the Navy. I was going to be shore patrol. 
I was like, I guess I'll lose the weight and I'll get in shape. And so I talked to a recruiter and we talked for a long time. And the Navy told me that I, because of my migraines and I was having like 15, 16, 17, 18 a day, and they would come up just out of nowhere that they were saying that the Navy, was, the Navy said that we, we can't um, in good conscience recruit you. And I was like, oh, no. And they're like, no, we can't. And he goes, I don't even think the Army would take you. <laughs> Is I it true that, has... that they – go ahead, Rusty. Sorry. I wonder if your migraines has anything to that fat kid jumping on your back when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, See, Austin's superpowers story, are real. <laughs> Dude, no, but so... now I know you're a comic book superhero. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, – so... The, uh, the house next door to me used to have a bunch of kids, like four kids in it. And then there was Action and me. And then down the road, we had like five or six. There was another um, house, like five and six. And there was this massive child. He was <laughs> like an eighth grader, and he probably weighed 250 pounds. And was like six feet tall. Massive child. And so we were all... <laughs> We were all playing, and uh, the guy next door, we, we were buddies, and we were talking, and that guy came over, and he was messing with, he was messing with um, the guy next, the kid next door, and so I told him, like, to shut up and get off the trampoline and go leave. He wasn't having that. So I, being fourth grade, like, third grader Austin against the eighth grader being retarded, was like, I'm going to fight this kid. <laughs> so I charged right at this guy. And he just easily takes his hand on the back of my back, goes on the ground, and then jumps straight into the air and lands right both knees on the small of my back. <laughs> Jesus. I was like, oh! Oh, my God! <laughs> and I'm crying. I'm like, oh, he broke my back. And Well, it probably felt like it. He probably ruptured a disc. <laughs> so, so we go home, and I'm, like, laying on the ground in the – I remember laying on the ground in the living room just crying – and my grandma's just babying me, like, oh, you're going to be okay. We have to take him to the hospital. We have to take him to the hospital. So we go to the hospital, and they take x-rays, like, he's fine. He's good. And then, then they come back in, they're like, no, actually, he's not good. We were wrong. <laughs> I had, like, three vertebrae that, like, slipped out of place. Jesus. And my, my back was in, like, a weird S shape. That guy permanently and... gave you scoliosis. <laughs> But uh, I had to go to, like, chiropractics for, like, a week straight, every day for, like, a week straight. And they had, like, give me a steroid shot to make sure my neck was right. Oh, those suck. I get those every year for my – so when I get sick, have an asthma, I get congestion, and I need steroids to help me breathe and all that. And I get, like, one or two of those in my arm. It sucks. Oh, I'm so fat. I can feel the freaking – like, all my muscles in my back are just tensing up thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just remember, like, laying on the trampoline, like, a little bit off because they're bouncing. And I see him go up, I go, this was a mistake. <laughs> I should have fought nobody. He was like, you know what, let's get the tables, ladders, and chairs out right now. And then the I kid remember- was just like, fuck that, I'll just <laughs> use myself. We found out how horrible my back was. 
dad was all pissed off. He's like, well, I'm going to go down and we're going to sue the snot at them. Knowing damn well we didn't have money to sue nobody. <laughs> well, you know the stories that would be in the headline, like, you'd be called a victim blamer. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that, that I, didn't, I didn't... I've thought about that occasionally. Like, maybe that's what it was. And I should go... But, yeah, that was a massive child. I don't know what he's doing now. If he's not the starting left tackle for the Oakland Raiders, I'd, I'd be... Um, I'd be pissed off if I was that big and I didn't get to be do something cool. He was so dumber they, in a box of freaking rocks, though. <laughs> okay, okay. Then he, if he's not playing left guard for the Denver Broncos, oh, now. <laughs> now, 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 now. Dalton Reisner's like, what the hell did I do? <laughs> so they wouldn't take you for the uh, migraines, huh? That no, is crazy. So, so the Navy goes, dude. Not even the army will take you. But I thought I'll I'll try the army. Well, and uh, Dad told me so many horror stories about how how he was in tents and the Air Force was in like air conditioned trailers and stuff, watching satellite <laughs> television. And so I was like, nah, I'm not going to join the army. Screw that. Well, here's how like, like dumb I am when it comes to that stuff. But uh, I don't. I've heard they will not take you if you have if you're bipolar. Is that accurate? Anything, any mental illness, they won't take you. If you if you've ever been committed to a mental hospital, either oh shit, at all, they will not take you unless you want to cut your balls off and <laughs> a woman, and then you're good. Yep, then you're good. Yeah, then you're good. Tell them that you identify as whatever, and they're like, oh shit, we can't fight this one. Yep, pretty much. But that's fine. Just have them sit in the front. They'll be, uh, um, damn, Austin, you ever seen that movie? The, the South Park movie. It's called yeah. Operation Hide Behind the Darkies, where they make <laughs> Chef and everybody go up front because they know they're going to kill first. <laughs> that's what we got to do with them. We'll just put them up front make them feel brave. Well, what you do is you just give them all their testosterone shots at the same time. So they're like really pumped up. Be like, go get them. Well, that's when you run out, too, and when they think they're about to be big and bad, you take their gun away, and they're like, what the hell? You tell them this is what happens when you don't believe in guns. You guys are fine, right? Just go out there and use your hands. It's just a tool, right? Right. Let's not get into that. I'll flip the fuck out. We got to talk about that, though, because some idiot the other day told me the most uh, ridiculous shit I've ever heard in my life. He basically said that, an AR-15 stands for assault rifle, bro. <laughs> Which is the dumbest shit. I, I've heard it like numerous times, but he said that, and I was like, do you understand what you just said? You said that it stands for assault rifle 15. And he was like, yeah, you know what? My information might not be like 100%, but you get what <laughs> I mean. I'm like, no, I don't get what you mean. Don't you love the second you call him out? It's immediate backpedal. Yeah, he was. He looked like that guy that was trying to explain how to use a gun, and he ended up blowing his hand off in front of everybody on the news. Idiot. Did you ever see that lady who's got the AR the like uh, AR fifteen shows? This could be um, chambered in fifty caliber. Jesus, <laughs> you know what? Before like, we close, where this are you out, buying a fifty cal eight AR fifteen? Can I buy one of those? Right. That's pretty sick, to be honest. Dude, before we close this out. There is something I wanted to tell you about that was it was so funny. It was like too good to be true. So uh, for those of you that don't know, I spend a lot of my time when I should be working looking up 
videos on Columbine and all types <laughs> of active shooter shit. Like, just because I'm interested in it, I don't know why. I'm just like, I want to learn more and all that. Well, anyway, I was Tony's looking this up. write the new Run, Hide, Fight novel. Well, like, dude, it got me interested in, like, what kind of guns they use and all that. So I was just, like, looking at it, studying it. And then literally the next day I was on Facebook, and, and it was an ad for Amazon, and it was a book called My Son Was an Active Shooter. Oh, my God. And I was like, holy hell. Like, it scared the living hell out of me. I knew that they were connecting the dots for me because, I mean, we all know, if you use social media, your shit's everywhere. But it just freaked me out. I was like, damn it. I got to really watch what I'm doing on YouTube. But uh, anyway, um, oh, man, it's, we've hit our hour mark. We're a little over. Um, I think we've pretty much covered the ground. That Well, I feel that we've covered all the questions we had. Austin, is there anything you wanted to add? I think that hit the nail on the head. Well, perfect. And Rusty, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem, man. And, uh, hey, if there's ever time down the road, I'm sure we can do more of these. I mean, when it comes to war, politics, you name it, Austin and I could talk a lot, especially movies. <laughs> I'm sure you know that, Austin. Well, I could talk about anything but movies. I, I, I'm not a big movie person, so. Perfect. Uh, you know what? One of these days we got to have you on here. And we could talk about some of the worst movies that have been made, which is a lot of these things called Marvel movies that your son likes. Whoa! Uh, so we'll have you, know, you on there for that. That's yeah. I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna say it. He said I'm not, said I'm not getting into that fight. <laughs> nope, nope. I'm not getting into that fight. It's Thanks kind of like I'm gonna lose my Disney Plus subscription. It's kind of like oh, the shit. fight. It's kind of like the fight is. Gaming a real job. Yes. That's true. <laughs> okay, see, I totally disagree. But hey, we won't get into that fight. So Hey, um, <laughs> last time I checked, um, a, a, the um, like low-level game developer at a bunch of these companies make more than double your salary. So, <laughs> Well, no, I'm, I'm not talking about the developing and everything. I'm, <clears> saying, <throat> I'm saying sitting on your ass for eight hours a day doing nothing but gaming. Tell that to tell that to Skimbo who won point who won five point six million dollars last year. Okay, we're not <laughs> getting into this because that's one in how many millions? Yeah, and people right. be like, "Your people be like, yo, my son's gonna play football for a career." Well, this is true too. <laughs> yeah, it's like one in a billion. It's pretty much like the uh, Austin. Remember the guy that he literally forgot his passwords for his bitcoin or whatever oh, it was and he had like I a still, couple million and now he can't get it I, I still wake up with night sweats thinking about forgetting my password to t like 10 billion dollars 10 million dollars god that would suck it's literally there but you can't have it because of the fact that you don't remember it that sucks, oh, that anyway. sucks. <laughs> yeah he, um, like these cryptocurrency wallets you get a password and you can't reset them. And if you put the wrong password in ten times, it wipes the wallet completely clean. So oh. the dude's like on seven tries, he can't remember it. He's got something like nine and a half million dollars in his wallet. Oh my god! That's all because he ignored it over the years, thinking, "Yeah, not much is going to come from it." And then, boom! It just <laughs> hit an all-time high, and now he's got money that he can't even access. 
Yeah, he bought a bunch oh. of Bitcoin when it was like first starting, and then just like threw his hard his wallet away, and then just like one day was like, oh, I think I may have a little bit of Bitcoin on my wallet, and he did the math. He's like, oh my god, and they couldn't <laughs> his password. Dude, I still have night sweats. So I like, I'm like, oh my god, okay. I have... <laughs> that would suck. Oh awesome. man, but uh, thanks guys for listening. You can check us out at www thegreatgirthpodcast.com also check out the discord we haven't really been advertising much for that but check that out i'm tony that is my buddy austin austin sir i will see you on wednesday adios